I preached very briefly upon this thought in the Easter message, and I'm going to come back to that. This has been on our heart all week, and we want to come back to this tonight. I believe it's very needed. The Lord's put this on our heart in a strong way. I believe this is where he'd have us to be tonight. John chapter number 19, one of the seven sayings from the cross. We looked uh, on Easter service, we looked at verse number 30, it is finished. But we want to look at verse number 27 this evening. The Bible says in John 19, verse number 27, the Bible says, Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come before you tonight. God, thankful to be in the house of God. We thank you tonight, God, for each one that is here. Thank you tonight, God, for each one that's come out on this Sunday evening. Lord, for those that are missing, God, we pray. God, for them, God, wherever they may be, God, where they may be doing. God, you know their heart. God, you know them, Lord. I pray tonight, God, that you'd help us and strengthen us. God, I pray, give us, God, Lord, what we need to preach. God, what the people need to hear. God, take these lips of clay. God, use them. God, as a mouthpiece, Father, to glorify you. Lord, I pray tonight, God, there be nothing said or done to glorify man but all that would be done to glorify you, Lord. I pray tonight you'd speak to our hearts. God, I pray you'd encourage us. God, I pray tonight, God, you'd touch the sinner, convict their heart. And God, I pray they'd be drawn unto you for Christ's sake. Lord, we pray these things tonight in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. And we find here in John chapter number 19, this seven, one of the seven sayings from the cross, we find in verse number 26 that Jesus is there on the cross. He's hanging there. He's been beaten and mocked. And y'all know the scenario and the context tonight. He's had the crown of thorns put upon his head. He's been scourged. He's had the scarlet purple robe put upon him and ripped off of him. And he's hanging there on the cross in shame and in nakedness. He's hanging there upon that tree. As the Bible said, curse it. He's literally taking the curse, my friend, that was brought in the Garden of Eden upon himself that he might redeem and was preached this morning, reconcile mankind unto God. And we find that as he's there on the cross, his earthly mother, Mary, is there. My, what a sight that would have been for a mother to behold her son there upon the cross. And the Bible says in verse number 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Now, God began to speak to my heart in a very distinct way as we begin to study upon these sayings of the cross. And as we come to this saying, this is a saying that I've personally I just have read over many times and just put very little thought into. But God began to speak to my heart distinctly in this saying of the cross for the Bible tells us that there was the disciple standing by notice it's not disciples but it's disciple this was but one disciple the Bible says it's the disciple whom Jesus loved and uh, we find that in the book of John John the apostle is the writer of the book yet he never denotes his name in the book and we find that this is who uh, the Lord is speaking about the Bible speaks about him in the upper room that he laid his head upon his breast the disciple whom Jesus loved and we find that this is the only disciple that is there at Calvary. Amen. It seems as though you would think that by the likes of Peter, you thought that he would have been there. Amen. But as the Lord said, that he would deny him three times. And he did. He wasn't there at Calvary. He missed out. Amen. On that uh, event. You find that James, the brother of John, that he was one of the inner three, one of those close uh, knit, knit disciples with the Lord. But he was not there at Calvary. But you find that John, the apostle, was there. And when the Lord looked down off the cross and said, woman, behold thy son. The Bible says then in verse 27, then saith he, 
say to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And the Bible says, And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. And I want to preach tonight, the Lord's help, I want to preach selected for service. Amen. Uh, tonight we look here uh, at the Word of God and we find that this disciple, the Apostle John, we find that he's given a job to do at the foot of Calvary. Amen. He wouldn't have got this job had he not been the foot of Calvary. Amen. Can I say tonight there's some things that uh, maybe you want to do, maybe you'd like to do, but you're never going to get there until you get to Calvary first. Amen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything uh, that is of the utmost importance in the day and hour which we live, there's many things that are of importance. Don't get me wrong tonight, but we've got to get to the foot of Calvary. Amen. We've got to get to the place where we see Jesus for who he is and for what he's done. Amen. What he done upon Calvary for us and that we never forget the fact that he died the most awful and cruel death for you and for me. He died the death of sinners. He who knew no sin died for sinners just like you and just like me. I'm thankful tonight, my friend, that Jesus died the death that I should have died, but I was not worthy to go to the cross. I'd have been the same as the two thieves, but I'm glad that Jesus, the darling son of God, in his sinless, guileless perfection, went to Calvary for you and for me. And I'm glad since I found myself in an old-fashioned altar one Sunday morning at the foot of Calvary. I'm glad that things have not been the same since. We find the Apostle John, we find uh, over there in the in the Gospels, you'll find that he was a fisherman. He was the brother of James. He had already made a great decision for the Lord. Uh, uh, my friend, you'll find him over there in the Gospels and you'll find him, uh, my friend James and, uh, and John, the sons of Zebedee. You'll find them mending their nets uh, and you'll find that Jesus comes by them just as he done Peter and Andrew and he says, follow me. Uh, and the Bible says that they forsook all and they followed Jesus uh, for three and a half years. Uh, these men have been following Christ, following him day in and day out. Uh, but we find in the word of God, we find in Mark chapter number 10 verse 35, I believe it is, uh, we find that something was rooted in John's heart. Uh, a little thing called pride was rooted in this man's heart. Uh, and we find that even though he had made a decision to forsake all and to follow Christ, there was pride rooted in this man's heart and in his brother's heart. Uh, and mama was in the background instigating the whole situation. Uh, and we find that they came to Jesus uh, and they, they told him more or less, Lord, uh, we want you to do something for us. Uh, and Jesus said, what is it that you want me to do? Uh, and they began to tell him that they wanted for one to sit at his right hand on the other, the other side. Uh, and Jesus began to tell them, uh, my friend, that was not possible at that time. Uh, my friend, they were looking for earthly glory. They were looking for earthly gain. Uh, they were looking for a Messiah to literally sit upon his kingdom right then and right there. Uh, and they were looking for glory in them in their sails. Uh, my friend, more or less what they were saying is like this. Uh, they were saying, Lord, we made a decision over there on the Sea of Galilee uh, to forsake all. We give up Daddy. Uh, we left him mending them old broken nails. Uh, we left the How we followed you day in and day out. We've eat with you. How we stayed where you stayed. How we've preached what you said to preach. How we've done what you said to do. Lord, don't we deserve a little glory for that? Don't we deserve to sit at your right hand? Oh, my soul. And I can imagine as Jesus busted the bubble, stuck a pen in their balloon. I can imagine, my friend, my friend, their heart began to sink when they did not gain the earthly glory. How my 
my friend, that they were desiring. That mama said should have been theirs. Amen. Somebody help me out tonight. Amen. Mama said that ought to be you boys sitting there at the right hand. But Jesus said not now. My friend, but when John found himself at the foot of Calvary, friend, there was a different perspective. There was some things that were changed. Oh, my soul, Calvary will change you. It'll change you, friend. It'll change the way you look. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the direction that you go. It'll change the reason that you do what you do. I know good people that have come to church all their life and then got saved by the grace of God, friend. It changed the way they come to church. My friend, I know people, friend, that's come to church unsaved, unregenerated, but they still come. There's more faithful and most saved folks. Somebody say amen. But friend, when they got to Calvary, when they got to the feet of Jesus, friend, it changed the reason they were coming to church. All of a sudden, it wasn't to be seen or to be heard. It wasn't, my friend, for the glory of men, but it was all about what He had done for them. Friend, that's why we're in this thing. All because of Him, all because of what He done. Friend, when we look to this world for earthly glory, we'll always come up short and come up empty-handed. Whoa, my soul, but we're in it because of Him. And we find here this apostle by the name of John. We find that he is, my friend, a relatively obscure character in the Word of God. And now I say that statement and you're thinking right now, you're thinking, well, he wrote other books of the Bible. Yeah, he wrote the, the, the Gospel of John. He wrote the three epistles of John. And he was the writer and pinned down the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But still yet, even though he wrote five books of the New Testament, we still know very little about the Apostle John. My friend, for he never hardly speaks of himself. We find the theme of the Gospel of John is found in chapter number 20 and verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. We find that when we get to the epistles, the theme of those epistles in the in the first epistles that you walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that we walk in fellowship by loving Him as He first loved us. You find, my friend, the second epistle speaks of walking not only with Him but walking in Him in truth. And then you find the third epistle. My friend, it speaks of the fact that as John testified in 15 and 5 that without Christ you can do nothing. He speaks of a man over there in the epistle of John chapter number 3 or the third epistle of John he speaks about a man that was looking for preeminence in his self but he found none so we find that in the book of the revelation Lord Jesus Christ it's not about the seven churches it's not about John it's not even about Patmos oh my soul but it's about Christ so we find we know very little about this man even though he's used greatly of God. But we find that all this started at Calvary, friend. Yes, there was a decision made by the Sea of Galilee. Oh, John could have very easily got his feelings hurt that day when he wanted to sit at the right hand of Christ. He could have tucked, tailed and run when he didn't obtain the glory that he was searching and seeking for. But something or another drawed him to Calvary and he's the only disciple that is found there. And we find that he is selected 
selected in this place. In verse number 27, he's selected for service. And can I say tonight what a joy it is when the Lord selects you and me for service. Whoa, that the master of the sea, that the master of all creation, that him, my friend, that owns it all, friend that's in control of it all. What a joy it is for him to select us for service. I don't understand my flesh a lot of times and you don't understand yours if you'd be honest. My friend, God tells us to do something we're wanting to serve God and the first thing we do is stub up on him. Amen. We're wanting to do something for God when we come to church but we get here and God tells us to do something and we won't. We go out out in the highways and the hedges we're wanting to do something for God. My friend, God lets us, gives us an opportunity to do something and we won't. Amen. That's just the way our flesh works. But what an honor and a privilege it is to be selected for service out of all the people that God could use. Every now and then he chooses to use little old vessels like me and like you. Out of all that God is able to do, he chooses to use sin-stricken earthen vessels just like you and just like me. So we find that John, in verse number 27, as the Bible said, then saith he to his, to the disciple, my friend, behold thy mother. He's selected for service. He's got a job for John to do. Now how did John get selected for this service? Well, it's very simple. The Bible says he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Number one, he had proved himself trustworthy even though he is wanting some vain glory. My friend, he had still loved the Lord. He still obeyed his commandments. He still, my friend, even in the midst of his pride that swelled up in his flesh, he still was the only disciple that found himself at Calvary. He followed the Lord through it all. He followed the Lord through his flesh. He followed the Lord despite everybody else telling and running praise God. And we find number two that he made himself available friend. Listen God ain't going to use you if you ain't going to make yourself available. Every now and then you got to clear out part of your time. You got to clear out part of your day. You got to clear out your Sundays praise God. Listen you can't expect God to move in when you're trying to do everything else on a Sunday. Amen. You got to be available and let God work and let God move in your life. You can't expect Brother Danny hit on this morning. You can't expect this Bible, my friend, to jump up off the coffee table and jump into your lap. Amen. I knew you'd stub up on me a little bit. I'm going to get down here and preach to you. Hey, listen tonight. You can't expect that Bible. It's a living book. Don't get me wrong. There's power in the Word. But God never impresses. God never pushes Himself on anybody. It's my choice tonight that you get where you won't get with God. Amen tonight. You've got to make yourself available. Every now and then you've got to grab a hold of that Bible. Put it in your lap when you ain't feeling the thing. When you're just as soon lay your head on the pillow. Every now and then you've got to get on your knees. Amen. Get in an uncomfortable position. Praise God. Listen. Praise God. I don't know about you but if I lay down in the bed and try to pray I'll be asleep before I get to say amen on a honey. We try to pray before we go to bed and if I ain't careful I'll be asleep before I say amen. Hey, praise be unto God. My conscience don't bother me. I can go to sleep that quick. Listen, if I really want to pray, I got to get in an uncomfortable position. A position that my flesh is not comfortable. Hey, when our flesh is uncomfortable, that's when God, my friend, begins to work in us the most. We get in an uncomfortable position. We're not concentrating on the world. My friend, we're not relaxed in this world, but we're pointed toward the heavenlies. We're seeking God and seeking His face. We've got to make ourselves available. You say, preacher, why do we come to church four times a week? Because I'm wanting God to do something. Amen. And listen.
listen, I'm going to make myself available. If God wants to come on a Sunday morning, that'd be good. If he comes on Sunday night, even better. Maybe he'll show up on a Tuesday night. We'll shout and rejoice. Maybe he'll come on a Wednesday night. Hey man, praise God, I'm going to make myself available. Selected for service. Listen, God don't run all over the country. He knows where you're at. But God uses those that are available. I promise you that tonight. God ain't going to call you singing to church for you, ain't there? Amen. Think about it. Amen. People people all the time, they won't do something for God, won't do something in the church. They ain't here half the time. Amen. I ain't being mean tonight. I'm just telling you the truth. You got to make yourself available. Amen. Praise be unto God. I appreciate our Facebook ministry. Amen. I thank God for it. Amen. But if you're able to, y'all get in the house of God, those of you on Facebook. Amen. Get in the church somewhere. Amen. Get in there where you can be used of God. Amen. Got to make yourself available to be used for the Lord. Young people, make yourself available. Come on them youth nights. Get back there and plow for the glory of God. Listen. John would make himself available at the most inconvenient time and that's when God give him a job to do. It wasn't when there's a shouting around on Palm Sunday. Hey man, it wasn't when there's throwing down the palm leaves crying out Hosanna my friend thou son of David. It wasn't when there's rejoicing. It was at the most inconvenient time when there was no other disciple around that God give John a job to do. All because he made Himself available. Some of you older folks in the building this evening, you could testify that just making yourself available, even when you don't feel like it, amen, when you don't want to, sometimes that's when God shows up the best. Amen. Might just be that we're needing it the most, amen. We get the most out of it, but God shows up when we make ourselves available. God honors that. I believe sometimes, these times in our lives, I don't care who you are tonight, these times in our lives that the presence of God just ain't as real and as fresh as we've seen it before. Y'all with me? And as we know that we're going to see it again, we go through these little spells, amen? I call them dry spells. I don't know what y'all call them, but we go through dry spells. And if you're like me, amen, we go through waves of them. Amen? We all do it. Go through dry spells. Listen, those, it's in those times. God ain't went anywhere. God ain't changed. And many times, there's sometimes we get in them dry spells by our own doing because they sin in our life. Don't get me wrong tonight. Because they sin in our life and we've strayed far from God. We're not in fellowship with Him, amen. And He's not in fellowship with us. And we get in them dry spells. Then there's a few times that we're in some dry spells because God's just watching us see what we're going to do. Amen. See if we're going to hang in there or not. I wasn't going to preach on this tonight. I was going to use some other message, but I feel God impressing me tonight. In 1492, a man by the name of Christopher Columbus, y'all heard of him? He left out and began to sail looking for a new route to the Indies. Think about old Christopher Columbus. He set out at a speed of an average of five miles an hour. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know all the math that'll come into this, but I can tell you one thing. Christopher Columbus spent many days on a ship. Amen. Amen. He spent many days on a ship. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I ain't no rocket scientist and I ain't no history buff, but I can say that in all them days that it took Christopher Columbus to sail on that ship, I can say that he went through some hot days, he went through some cold days, he went through some smooth days, and he went through some rough days. And they pinned down in his journal, they said nearly on every page of a journal that Christopher Columbus kept, they said at the end of that page, no matter what the day had held, whether it was hot or whether it was cold, whether the wind was strong or whether the wind was soft, whether they were storms or whether they was waves, no matter what was going on in that day, at the end of the page, Christopher Columbus penned and we sailed on. They sometimes in our lives, friend, that we just have to buckle down, get in the ship, get in our place, praise be unto God, and just sail on because tomorrow is going to be a brand new day and after a while, honey, it may seem like a slow pace getting there, but after a while, friend, there's going to be land inside. Jesus is going to cry out from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and we can rejoice in that day that land is just inside hey hey listen until that day we just got to sail on whether it's hot in here whether it's cold whether it's knee deep or whether it's up to our neck friend we just got to sail on and press on and we ain't in this for our glory we're in this because we've been selected for service by the master because that man that hung on that tree crucified not for his own but for us friend all because of him we've been selected for service and we'll just sail on church when the Sunday school classroom ain't growing when the church ain't growing when the choir my friends looking out and there's some sad looking faces we'll just sail on when the preaching ain't easy. Oh, when it ain't easy to come to church, we'll just sail on when everybody comes against us, when it seems like nobody cares, when it seems like nobody's listening, we'll just sail on. Because we've been selected for service. Friend, I know who spoke to me that day. There was no doubt in John's mind who had spoke to him in his heart. It was Jesus that saith unto the disciple. That had made himself available. Behold thy mother. Now think about the job that Jesus had given John to do. John, part of the inner three, he didn't have the job of the greatest glory. I mean, Jesus more or less asked him to make a rest home out of his home. Amen. Ain't nobody wants to take care of old woman. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That wasn't the prettiest job. You never read a John preaching and 3,000 souls getting saved. Peter did and he wasn't even there at Calvary. Hey man, think about it. But that was Jesus' mother. That was a job that was of importance. Hey man, a special job for the one that had bore the Son of God, held him in her arms, friend, for the Lord to look down off the cross and say, Behold thy mother. Take her as your own. 
Oh, what a precious, precious hey. task it was. Hey. Friend, when you're selected for service, it matters not how big, it matters not how much earthly glory. Oh, friend, it doesn't matter how big the job may seem. They're all big in God's eyes. It takes everybody and it takes every job that Christ puts upon our hearts to make this thing work together, friend. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus looked down off Calvary and said, Behold thy mother, that was a great job to be done. We find that in this job, we find that John done a remarkable thing. He submitted. Amen. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. It's what pulls us and draws us and gives us a desire to do and to submit to the will of God. John is looking on that cross and he knows Jesus. He knows him inside and out. He knows that he's done nothing amiss. And my friend, I believe that the, the words of the gospel are starting to permeate into his heart. John 14 is starting to stick in his soul and he realizes that that's what he was talking about. And now he's given me a job to do. The love of Christ is constrained John and the Bible tells us in that in that from that hour that disciple took her he submitted friend immediately under the calling and the selection of the selector of what Christ had asked him to do he submitted to the will of God ladies and gentlemen let us submit to the will of God let us not submit to the flesh but submit to the will of God not only did he submit to what Christ asked him to do But think about it. There was a great sacrifice in this. He took her from that very hour unto his own home. Now, we don't know very little about John. I don't know if he's married. I don't know if he had kids. I don't know any of these things. We could speculate. But think about the sacrifice to take another human being into his home. Amen. Amen. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. John had given everything he's got to fulfill the selection, my friend, the service that God had called him into. He sacrificed his home. He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his money. He sacrificed everything that he had to take care of Mary. Amen. They sacrifice in serving God. Amen. Amen. There's times that it's easy. There's times that ain't costing us nothing. There's times we got to get down in the nitty gritty. We got to dig deep. Listen, you could apply this to your pocketbook, and I don't think anybody in this building has a problem with that part of it. Amen. But it's when we get down in the nitty gritty of our soul, it gets to getting hard. Amen. We have sacrifice every now and then. Every now and then, we got to give up some things that we love dearly, some Isaacs in our life. There's some times like that. There's some times for this preacher boy, I've found out if I like it, I'm going to steer clear of it because God's going to make me give it up. <laughs> but you know what I found out? It took me a little while to get to this point. I ain't bragging on me, but I'm just saying, it took me a little while to get to this point, but I found this joy in that. There's joy when you look at something you once loved and no longer it means anything. Amen. 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 Something of this world, something that used to be fun, something that's, uh, my friend, it's not necessarily bad in itself, but it takes you away from God just a little bit. It ain't what God wants you to be into. Amen. When you can give that up and you can look at it and rejoice. 
Amen. Hey, there's a joy in sacrificing for the Lord. God's not interested in bulls or goats, the blood of them any longer. The blood of Jesus has, has, has supplied that and been sufficient for that. But God is looking at the living sacrifice of you. Amen. Amen. Boy, I like that song. God's not interested in your eyes. Amen. Hey, listen, God can buy bass boats if he wants to. He can buy deer hunting rifles. He can buy horses. He can buy bear dogs. He can buy it all if he wants to. Amen. Did I get all of you? Did I forget anybody? He can buy it all. But he's already bought you. He's waiting on you to realize that. Amen. I had an experience a month or so ago, two months ago. We was in a church service and God was dealing with my heart in a strong and mighty way. I'll tell you all all about it someday, not today. But God was dealing with my heart about something. I wanted to go to the altar and pray. I'd done been two or three times, just to be honest with y'all, dealing with this same subject. And in the last part of that meeting, God began to break my heart. And I said, God, I want to go to the altar and fix this now. Get it right now. Settle it now. And I couldn't get out of my pew. I physically couldn't get out of my pew. I'm telling y'all the truth. I just bowed my head and tears began to fall and it's hit my shoes. And I'd open my eyes and them tears hit my shoes. And I don't cry a whole lot. And I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even audibly say anything. And about the time I got to that place, in the depths of my heart, I said, God, I can't even move. I can't even say anything. God said, that's right where I want you. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, there's my heart. Mm-hmm. And God said, that's what I've been waiting on. God wasn't wanting a trip down the aisle. God wasn't wanting some vain words in an altar. God was wanting me to Folks, that's what God wants out of you. He's done a great work at Calvary. He's calling you. Will you be submissive? Will you be willing to sacrifice? Last but not least, there's satisfaction in that. We're looking to a lot of things in this world for satisfaction for you. But the satisfaction when you submit to the calling of God. I find over there in Galatians 2 and 9, if you've got time, you can turn your Bible, Galatians 2 and 9. Paul is accrediting his ministry. You see, Paul was the apostle called out of due season. Amen. He was the one that persecuted the church, and so they didn't trust him in his day. But he's accrediting his ministry in Galatians 2 and 9. And he speaks of James and Cephas, Peter. And he speaks of John. And he says that they are pillars. Amen. So I want to ask you tonight in closing, when somebody looks at you, would they be able to consider you a pillar? Say, what is a pillar? A pillar is a structure that supplies support. Samson pulled down the pillars on those Philistines and the whole building fell. Amen. The pillars is what holds this thing together. Hey, some pillars in this church. Amen. Could somebody look at you? John never preached and seen 3,000 souls saved when Paul's quoting Galatians 2 and 9. He wasn't there as Stephen was stoned. He didn't get recognition as the first martyr. Amen. 
But there at the cross, Christ gave him a job to do. And from that very hour, he took her unto his own house. He is a pillar of faith. Everybody stand with me. Miss Martha, will you come? While every head's bowed and while every eye's closed. As God speaks to your heart tonight, probably already has. What is it God wants from you? What is it tonight that God's speaking to your heart about? Friend, would you slip out your pew tonight and find yourself in an altar? Maybe you just want to get down the aisle, kneel down right there, that'd be all right. And I want to ask you tonight, would you surrender your heart to him? He gave his life on Calvary. Loved you with a love that's without measure. And tonight he's calling you. He's selecting you. He's got a job for you to do. It may not be the most eloquent. It may not be the highest paying or the most glorified job. Lord's got somebody for you to witness to. Got somebody for you to be an example before. The Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. What's that verse talking about? We are despising our youth by not showing them the way. Think about that. Christ calling you tonight to be an example of a spirit-filled believer full of the Holy Ghost. Not just an ornament, but a pillar. Not a decoration, but a structure providing support. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to hush. I'm going to get this all and pray myself. If you were to begin to look at your life, could you say you're just an ornament or a decoration to the church? Or could you honestly say that I'm a pillar, a structure providing support? Friend, would you slip out of your pew?
God would say, you got to give him back to me. On this mountain, you will prove it's you and Isaac, or it's me and you. When I lay my Isaac down with a broken heart, but my father's proud. On this altar where he lays, just to find it wasn't him, God wanted me. Most of us, I dare to say, have an Isaac standing in God's way. On this altar, God will prove it's not your Isaac that he wants, God wants you. When I lay my Isaac down with a broken heart, but my father's proud. On this altar where he lays, just to find it wasn't him, God wanted me. On this altar where he lays, just to find it wasn't him, God wanted me.